Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5? As a reminder, church, we're reading every verse of Ephesians together this summer, and we're on to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, and what we think the Lord is telling us is that there's a way to break the isolation that we feel and to move from me into we, and what a day it is to talk about that. Would you look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, and hear the word of the Lord. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not, even, not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're grateful for God's word. We're grateful for God's word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word, even as it challenges us and comes at us in some ways. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us, instruct us, change us, and shape us by your holy and living word that we may know life, life that is truly life in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Are you awake? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of getting there. I heard a pastor once say, I was, I'm never insulted when someone falls asleep in worship because I just figure they needed the rest. And I'm glad they found the comfort of the worshiping people of God to rest in. 
So I'm not insulted if you fall asleep. But I do want to keep you awake because we're called to stay alert and stay awake. Uh, My son Jack is headed off to college in just a few weeks and his roommate is going to be his friend Max from high school here in town. And Max and and, uh, Jack and I and Max's dad all went camping last month in June and we were talking as we were camping together. His dad was telling us about how Max, my son Jack's future roommate, is not very good at waking up. In fact, he's, he's been known to sleep straight through the alarm. In fact, he's been known to get up from bed, walk across the room and turn off the alarm and get back into bed. In fact, he's been known to wake up in various places in the house without quite knowing how he got there. And that reminded me of one of my roommates in college who never woke up to his alarm and we had lofted beds. So I had the bright idea of putting the alarm right next to his head up in the loft but he still didn't wake up. So I would have to climb in there in very close quarters and creep over him to turn off his alarm, which made for some pretty interesting mornings (laughs) from time to time. It's not always easy to wake up. It's tough to wake up. It's tough to stay awake. I'm always impressed with those Uh, movies where someone has to do a stakeout and they watch all night long and you think, how can they do that? Just sitting there in the car watching all, and it takes a lot of coffee, but with a lot of coffee, doesn't that mean you need to take a lot of trips to, well, never mind. It's not easy to stay awake. It's not easy to stay alert. But Jesus says, we need to keep awake. In fact, on the night of his arrest, he he gathered his disciples and he told them a parable about staying awake and staying alert. He said once there were 10 uh, young women who were waiting for the bridegroom to come in the bridal party and they, they had their lamps lit with oil, but they couldn't stay up. The bridegroom was late in coming and in Matthew 25, 5 says, when the bridegroom was a long time in coming, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. They weren't prepared to wait and watch for the Lord. Therefore, Jesus said, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. You see, in the Bible, slumber is an image of spiritual vulnerability, spiritual confusion. And so Jesus says, you've got to stay awake. You've got to stay alert. And later that same day, after he told that parable, he went off into the garden of Gethsemane to pray in agony before his, before his death and, and his suffering. And he told his disciples, I want you to stay awake and pray for me while I go off and pray and seek the Lord. But he came back and he found them and, and you know what, what had happened? They were all sleeping. And so Jesus roused them up and he said in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Stay awake. Well, it's hard to stay awake. Today, Paul challenges the church in Ephesus to stay awake. He says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and walk in the light of Christ and stay awake. Now, he had already told them earlier that they were dead so you know to tell them that they were just asleep at the switch was kind of an improvement things were getting better apparently in the church in Ephesus but the challenge is to stay awake 
Stay alert. Live thoughtfully and carefully. Not to just wander through life just experiencing whatever is next, but to step forward with wisdom, with Jesus as your guide and your light. Verse one, follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's our call. Now this morning is what you might call a walk-along sermon. I'm asking you to to stay awake and, and walk along with me. And in fact, it won't be till the very end of the sermon that you'll get the point of any of it at all. But you've got to walk along and stay awake and stay alert. And here's our challenge. Here's our call. Here's where we're headed. Let me give you some signposts. Listen. Our call is to walk in the way of love. Not the way of consuming, which leads to darkness, but the way of giving that becomes light and life. This we must do by staying awake and living carefully. But finally, finally, you can't stay awake alone. So there's four points that you're watching for. We're to walk in the way of love as givers, not consumers. That's the second point. Not as consumers. And, and to do that, we have to stay awake. That's the third point. And the fourth point is going to be you can't stay awake. What? Alone. You need a buddy. Walk the way of love. Our model is God. It says we're to imitate God's example, to to be like Christ Jesus, who in love gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. See, walk in the way of love, self-giving, as Christ gave himself for us. That's the first point. But, second point, the self-giving way of love can easily flip over to a consuming way of lust. Paul says, don't let that happen. All this talk in in, uh, verses three through seven, this talk that comes at us and steps on our toes a little bit, these are all ways that we can easily turn to use others to benefit ourselves. These are ways that we, we try to consume others to fill ourselves. And this isn't the kingdom way. This isn't God's example set by his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life away. Don't do it, he says. Don't fall into that. And not only don't do that, but don't listen to those who try to change your mind about what is right and wrong in God's sight. Look at verse six. Let no one deceive you with empty words. What it's saying is people will pursue self-gratifying lusts as a way of life. And not only will they pursue that in their own pattern of life, but as you live life in the world, the world will try to convince you that actually this is the right way to live in a a self-gratifying, consuming pattern. He says, don't be deceived. This isn't the kingdom way. This isn't the way that fills up life. This is the way that takes life from you. This way only leads to darkness. Don't go along. Verse eight, 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. What he's saying is, listen, you once were darkness. You know what's in there because you've been there. Don't go that way anymore. Don't participate in the spread of darkness. There's another way. You can walk as children of light. You can be one who brings an end to darkness and brings light and life to those around you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, Jesus is the light. Jesus is the life. He's the life. And to walk with him in his light is to participate in bringing light and life to the broken and fallen and confused and wounded world in which we live. We're going to be one or the other. In our relationships with others, are we going to be darkness or are we going to be light? To be in Christ is to be part of the fruit of light, to join his mission, his mission of bringing goodness and righteousness and truth. See, these are things that don't tear apart. These are things that stitch together a wounded world and bring healing. In fact, it says everything that you bring to the light of Christ becomes light and life. Look at verse 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And watch this. Everything that is illuminated becomes a what? Even the dark things in your life. Even the things that once were in the shadows, even the things that pulled you away from God, even the hardest chapters in your life, the struggles, what this is saying is these things, these parts of your life in the hands of Christ can not only be illuminated for healing, but they can become a light for others as the story of Jesus' power of redemption is told. Walk in the way of love Not the way of consuming, which leads to darkness, but the way of giving, like Jesus, that becomes light and life. Verse 14, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Wake up, your friend. Anybody sleeping yet? Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. Now, a quick note for the margin of your Bible. Paul didn't write, so it is written. That would be a way of quoting scripture, but what he, he wrote is, he said, that's why it says this. He says, that's why it is said. That's not quoting scripture. You see, these verses are not actual quotes of scripture. There are some verses that, that sound a little bit like that, but Paul didn't write, it is written. He said, that's why it says. Now, that's why what says? Well, we don't know, but scholars think that maybe it was a liturgical prayer or maybe it was a praise song that the church knew how to sing together. And so Paul could just say, that's why it says that. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and the light of Christ will shine on you. It's something we sing together. Well, that's hard to do alone. 
to walk the way of love and to not give in to the way of consuming, but to follow Christ's example in the way of giving, to stay out of darkness and to walk in light, to become light, to share light, that's not easy. And it's nothing to try alone. It's nothing to try alone. You have to stay awake. You have to stay alert. You have to stay alert, stay alive. And for that, you're going to need at least one buddy. God ordains the buddy system, folks. He's given us one another as a gift. It says, stay awake. Look at verse 15 to 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. They run away from you. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Stay awake. Don't just drift along letting whatever happens happen to you in life. No, it says that you've got to keep alert and be thoughtful and wise, finding the way that God has for you, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Socrates once said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And there's something in that. There's something of that in Ephesians here. And it eventually gets down to some brass tacks behavioral stuff, right? Like those diet books, eat this, don't eat that. Do this, don't do that. He's gonna name a few things. In fact, next week he's going to name a few more things. So if you're reading ahead, be ready. But it comes down to some actual brass tack stuff where he says, listen, don't, don't talk like that. Change the way you talk. Don't act like that. Change the way you act. It says, don't, uh, uh, verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, we, at First Pres, we're not among those Christians who would, who would uh, part ourselves from all use of alcohol. Jesus turned water into wine, and the Bible says... Wine makes the heart glad, but, but drunkenness, no, no. It leads to, to debauchery. There are things that we chase that don't fill us, they empty us out. And what it says is, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And then you sing songs and you, you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Basically, if you want to just sort of boil it down here, it says, don't, don't get drunk, just sing like you're drunk. <laughs> a choir? They're great at it. They're even better than that, aren't they? Speaking to one another, verse 19, with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You see, these other things, they empty out, but there's a way of life that fills as the Spirit fills up your heart, fills you up with joy, and we're overflowing. But here's what you might have missed. All of that, all those injunctions, all that hard teaching, these are things that are not issued to individuals, but to the group. So you might have missed that because as we read these these passages, uh, what we can't see in our English translation is that these are all second person plural commands for you grammarians in the room. It isn't you be careful, it's y'all be careful. All y'all. Be very careful then 
how you live. That's a command to a group, not to just an individual. This isn't something that you have to worry about alone, that you have to go down into the workshop of your soul and try to figure some way out of. This is something for us to do together. It's something for us to work out as a body. All together, be careful how you live. Now, I might have careful days and I might have not so careful days. And you might have careful days and you might have not so careful days. But as we lean on one another, as we're bound together in Christ, we keep one another awake, challenging one another to to make better use of our time, encouraging one another to stop consuming what destroys and to be filled up with what gives life. We use language with one another to build one another up, not to break one another down. And as we lean back and forth on each other, well, we might just get a few steps in walking the way of love, walking the way of God together. Not in the way of consuming that leads to darkness, but in the way of giving that brings light and life in Christ. Now to do this, we have to keep one another awake. And you can't do that alone. So, today's the day. You heard from our pastor of discipleship, Katie Fowler. Her small group is growing. How about yours? (laughs) And today's the day. If Ephesians is about moving from me to we, I want to ask you, do do you have a group? Outside and and down the hall and in the info alcove right here and at the welcome center in the plaza, everything is is all set for you. Those who are worshiping online on our website, you just go to ministries, adults, life groups, and it's all set up for you to click through and find a group. Are you in a group? Are you in a circle where you know one another's name? Are you in a group where you can pray for one another meaningfully? Where you can really say what you need prayer for and you can trust? Are you in a group where you trust one another enough to speak scripture into each other's lives and know that you have each other's best interest at heart? Are you in a group where you're trying to walk in the way of love, where you can keep one another alert and alive? If so, God bless you. We want to resource you. We want to give you everything we can to encourage you and to keep going with that group. But if not, if you're feeling alone, isolated, if you're feeling it's your responsibility alone to work out all of this scripture, to find this way, to keep alert and awake, listen, your next step is right outside those doors. Find a group. Find a fellowship. Abigail and I are joining a group too. And for us, that's kind of difficult, you know? It really is for a number of different reasons. But we're doing it. Because it's a good thing to do. And you know, godly things, they take up some room in your life. But when you add godly things to your life, it, it tends to push out uh, some un- ungodly things. And, and so we're, we're joining a group too. And, and what I want to say is this is a gift God has for you, friends. Community is a gift. Now what good is a gift that you never open? Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my spiritual heroes and If you know any of his story, he died. He was only 39 years old. And he was killed by the Nazis for his work as a pastor in Germany, resisting the Nazi regime. You know, Nazism took over even the church and the pastors had to resist. And uh, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer set up a seminary, an underground seminary to provide pastors who would be resistant. 
who would be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ when the whole church was getting pulled off into the gospel, the false gospel of national socialism. And in that seminary, he started realizing the power and the importance of of genuine community for Christians. He wrote a little book called Life Together. He said, life together is again being understood by Christians today as the grace that it is, as the extraordinary aspect, the roses and lilies of the Christian life. Why? Because not only is it easy for us to drift with the culture when we're individuals, when we're just on our own, but it's easy for us to forget the forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ. One of the most powerful bits of that book for me is where he starts to talk about sharing sin, sharing our sins and our struggles with other people. He says, if if you're just confessing to God all alone, you might think that you're actually dealing with your sin, but you're you're just forgiving yourself. You're just comforting yourself. But it's when you're in a community that you trust enough to share your sins and struggles, then you meet the grace of Jesus in the face of your friend. He wrote this. Let me find this quote. Lost in my own notes. Here we go. In confession... There takes place a breakthrough to community. Listen to this now. Sin wants to be alone with people. It takes them away from the community. The more lonely people become, the more destructive the power of sin over them, the more deeply they become entangled in it, the more unholy is their loneliness. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of what is left unsaid, sin poisons the whole being of a person And he says this can happen in the midst of a a pious community. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and, and the closed isolation of the heart. Sin must be brought to light. You see, what he's saying is in community, in true community, in life together, the gift is not just trying to be holy and pious together, which sometimes makes us put on a false face, but the real gift of true Christian community is that we get to be sinners together. Sinners forgiven by the love and grace of God. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have someone in your life that you can share your actual sins, your actual struggles with? Can you, do you have anyone in your life that you can tell the truth to? Sin wants to get you alone. If it can't destroy you, it sure wants to get you isolated. The devil, is his, his deceiving work in your life, if he, can't, if he can't kill you, he wants to put you to sleep. I want to encourage you, get into a community together. Start building trust. Don't live in isolation. Are you living your life or is your life living you? Are you walking faithfully? Are you walking with wisdom? Are you staying alert? Are you carefully living out your days or are you just drifting into whatever happens? Drifting down uh, the river of life. You need a friend. You need a group. You need people that know you to help you stay awake and alert. Sometimes... uh, in my car, I get some lights on the dashboard. I get some strange noises in the engine. And after a while, if I'm just by myself, I get used to them. You know, you put a little piece of tape over that light, it doesn't bother you anymore. 
You know, that, that, that funny noise in the engine, you just turn up the radio, no problem, right? But then when a friend gets into your car, you kind of look at those lights a little bit differently, you kind of recognize that, that rattle a little bit differently, and you think, again, boy, maybe I ought to get that checked out, you know, before the transmission actually falls out of the car and rattles along the highway. That's the gift. That's the gift of together. This, the Christian life isn't meant to be lived alone. We come together and we see one another's lives. We live life together and we, and we see the, the indicators a little bit better. We stay alert. We stay alive. We keep encouraging one another and we walk in God's way. We walk in the way of love. Not in a way that consumes, but in a way that gives. It's not something to do alone. It's something to do together. This is a grace. This is a gift from God. Let's pray. Lord, in so many ways, our our world is patterned to pull us apart and keep us isolated from one another. Today, Lord, we we push back and we know, Jesus, that you you have brought us into your household of faith as the family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we ask, Lord, for the courage to know and to be known, to love one another genuinely in a spirit of truth that we might be light and life for one another and for this world to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.